Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. We're excited. We're going to continue on with our series, My Stupid Mouth. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 today. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, I had, a, I had a, a friend and mentor um, back in college who was telling me one day that he was super excited to go on vacation with his family. And, and I was like, awesome, where are you going? He's, he's going to visit some family for part of it. He's going to go to the beach. And he had these two little girls, or I'm sorry, the two little kids, one girl, one boy. And uh, he was talking about how excited he was. And, and he came back from vacation and he talked about how awful it was. I said, how was it? He's like, it was the worst vacation I've ever been on. And I said, well, what happened? What was it, you know? And he's like, I just... No one told me that when you're a parent and you go on, it's not a vacation. You're just parenting somewhere else. So when you go to the beach, there's the the fruit snacks and there's the diaper bag and there's the water and there's the nap schedule and there's all that. And he's like, I wish someone would have just, all I needed was just to be prepared that it wasn't going to be me on the beach with no responsibility. It was going to be all of my responsibility moved to a different zip code. And uh, so I was thankful because uh, down the road, I would be able to take a vacation. And, and at the end of the day, I, I remember going and I remember kind of being slapped in the face. I was preparing myself. I was ready. But at the end of the day, there was those moments where you're, you've done everything. You've poured yourself out for your kids. You've spent time on the beach. You've, you've kind of obeyed their schedules and you've kind of gotten your, 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 your stuff around their stuff. Like you, you don't get to just lay on the beach all day. You get to do what the kids need and what the kids want and all this kind of stuff. And there's this moment that happens as a parent, and I learned this in 2015 when we went on our vacation, that when the kids complain, like at the end of the day, after you've been with the beach, after you've played games, after you've bought them toys, after you took them out to a nice dinner, and then after you took them out for ice cream, they're like, <laughs> and, you, and you lose your mind because you're like, if you even knew what I've done for you today, if you even knew what this took, if you even, and you're like, we're going home. We're just going to turn, and you make these empty threats. <laughs> and as some of the parents are like, yep, I know what that feels like. And, um, and it's funny because as a, as, a, as a mom or as a dad, you put up with a lot of complaining. And so we've been talking about lying, and we've been talking about all kinds of different things involving our mouth, but today we're going to be talking about complaining. And the truth is that complaining is not a kid problem. It's kind of a people problem. Uh, we've been looking at this verse, Luke 6.45, which has kind of been the overarching uh, verse in this whole series. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For what? Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. In other words, uh, when we speak, essentially what we're doing is we're just kind of putting on display what's going on in our heart. And so this has been super convicting for me um, because I know the last couple of weeks when something just kind of pops out, I'm like, uh, uh-oh, like I just got told on because there's some stuff going on in my heart that I need to deal with. It's kind of like when you change your oil. Um, and, uh, you know, so like if you go to like a Valvoline or something like that, or, you know, and they, they, they show you what's going on under your hood and and you're ready, you're like, I'm not buying anything. And they show you your air filter, and you're like, this is black, and your car's going to explode if you don't put a new air filter. Or your oil is dripping like black tar. You're going to need to change your oil more than 10,000 miles at a time. And what they're showing you is, is that there's some unhealthy stuff going on in the inside, and all you're thinking is, is like, I put gas in this thing, and I go. Like, I don't care if the tires, the brakes, the oil, the oil. And, and if you get to a certain point, your car is going to break down because what's going on in the inside 
is breaking down. That's what we've been talking about. So what is it about complaining scripturally that Jesus wants to speak to today? Well, we were in the book of Exodus uh, in our last series, and, and it's going to kind of reach into this series too. Uh, you may remember that the whole, the whole Ten Commandments thing um, happened before all that. They're in slavery, right? Moses goes and he, he says to Pharaoh, let my people go, right? And so there's this whole thing where they go to the Red Sea and they're rescued miraculously. Remember, there's all this like they are out of bondage. God has clearly saved them. And then out of nowhere, they make this decision right after they've been rescued to do what? They make their own God. And they're saying, this is the God, this golden calf. We're going to take all the earrings and we're going to mold them into this golden calf. We're going to worship this God because this thing is what rescued us out of bondage of Egypt. And all of us would kind of collectively groan at that because it doesn't make any sense at all. Like you, you craft something and all of a sudden you worship it because this thing is apparently saved. It doesn't make sense to us. And so these Israelites, which are kind of a good picture for us, we don't like to say that out loud because we don't like to look in the mirror and see the ways that we don't make sense. Have you ever had someone tell you like, hey, you're being really like, really crazy right now, and you're like, no, I'm not, and then you, you kind of have time to cool down, and you're like, yeah, I was kind of being a baby. I was kind of being a child. I was kind of being, you know, a little selfish or whatever. The Israelites are kind of a picture of that. They're kind of crazy, and so after they've been rescued miraculously by God out of Egypt, they do some crazy things. They make their own idol, and then in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, it says this, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, okay? And then verse 11, they start to get real snippy. They cried out to the Lord. This is funny. Like, people think the Bible's boring. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? And I'm like, oh, maybe I should have just left you in slavery and all the rest of us should have left, you know? Were there not enough graves in Egypt for us to die? Or in other parts of Scripture, you would see them complaining because they would be like, well, we're out here and we've been like rescued from slavery, but we're eating manna, which is super boring. We were able to eat all this awesome stuff in slavery. We constantly are kind of comparing ourselves to kind of a past version of us, a future version of us, or maybe some like one of our neighbors and stuff like that. We're constantly like, oh, this was so much better when I was in that kind of slavery. In fact, some of us, we talked about this a couple series ago, but we talk about how some of us actually like, if we're Christians, if we're being honest, we've been rescued out of the slavery of our sin. We have this relationship with God. We're going to go to heaven when we die. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we have these quiet moments where we're like, Friday nights used to be a lot more fun, you know? And, and my my group of friends that I needed to walk away from because they were bad influences on me, I kind of want that again. And we kind of want that because something about it feels good. And the Israelites are doing this thing where they're saying, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? In other words, the faith that they had to trust in God to rescue them was not, was not matching up to the faith that they needed for God to sustain them. That's, sometimes we, we, we are very anxious to like get our free ticket to heaven for salvation. We're like, yeah, I'll walk an aisle, I'll pray, I'm good. And then we're like, but this life stinks. This life is boring. I kind of liked it better when I just got to do whatever I wanted. And, uh, and we find ourselves complaining. We find ourselves complaining about work. We find ourselves complaining, gosh, I complained, okay, so I live off sawmill sawmill yesterday anyone else just live like right here on sawmill right right 
And I know I'm preaching about not complaining, but I'm also kind of complaining because yesterday, Sawmill was a parking lot all day long. My wife and I, out on a date last night, came back at like 9.30. Sawmill is still a parking lot. And I'm like, oh, what's wrong? You know, and I'm like, I'm preaching about complaining tomorrow. Maybe I should check my heart. And, uh, and the truth is we complain about all kinds of things. We complain about how people treat us. We complain about, you know, our, the way our kids act. Maybe rightfully so. Uh, we complain about, you know, what, what people said. We complain about what's going on. We are complainers. We are complainers. We are, we are existing in a, in, a, in a society where we have air conditioning, right, in, in, the, in the summer and heat in the winter. And when we don't have those two things, listen, if you take food and, like, air conditioning away from me, I am in trouble. I am that complainer. I am that guy. I'm the guy that's like, I wish we were back in whatever, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm all of a sudden that crazy person. So maybe, maybe it's possible that our complaining issue is actually really just a contentment issue. And Paul is going to speak to that in the book of, uh, in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul is in house arrest. He is chained to a, a Roman guard, and he is not in a good situation, and this guy is choosing to see the best in it. Let's uh, turn to Philippians 2, chapter, four, chapter 2, verse 14. He's going to say this. He's in house rest. He's going to say, Now do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. I love that picture. Blameless and innocent in the midst of a, of a culture uh, or a generation of, of wickedness and, and, and twisted things, among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Or in other words, he's saying, I'm in chains right now, guys. And he would actually say in other parts of, of this letter, he would say, it's actually for your benefit that I'm in chains. It's, it's for your benefit that I suffer. And he has now turned what would be complaining on its head and he's seeing the benefit in it. He's seeing this, uh, this new perspective on complaining. So I, I just want to maybe give us all an opportunity to think through uh, what are the things that we complain. I want you to make this very practical and real. What are the things that we complain about? What is it? Anyone, anyone want to stand up and say, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to ask you to do that. But think about it. What, is it. what is it that we complain about? What is it that we complain about? And what is it about that complaint that might be pointing back inward? What is it? that might be complaining, um, that points us back inward. It, what's funny is that in, in, um, in, in that time in, in Exodus when Moses was talking to the people and, and they were saying, were there not enough graves in Egypt? He, uh, two chapters later, when he was talking with them, what he would say is this. And this, this, this one gutted me this week when I was studying. He said, when you guys are complaining, you're not actually complaining against me. I hear it, I hear it, but you're actually grumbling against the Lord. And that one is scary for me because I think when I truly look at my station in life, where, where I am, if I'm not, I mean, I think if we were all to be honest and we were all to give ourselves like a, uh, like a, uh, on, a on a ratio of like one to 10, scale of one to 10, how happy or how content you are, or maybe if you look at your whole life 
and where you are right now, I think a lot of us would say like, well, I mean, I feel like I've grown, but I'm nowhere close to where I want to be. And there is something good about that. But on the other hand, we have to have a humility that understands that God has us where he has us, right? And at some point, we've got to start looking at where God has us, what he's done with us in the past, how he's rescued us out of forms of slavery. I have to constantly remind myself when I complain because I'm thinking, I, rem- I, I feel like I'm in the worst scenario. If it's traffic, if it's, if it's I, I'm, not, I'm not getting treated right. I'm not, I'm not you know, where I want to be, all that kind of stuff. I have to constantly put myself in the past and think, wow, like I remember when it was really bad. I remember when it was really bad. And I remember how God brought me out of this and this and this and this. God's faithfulness is constantly tested to be true in your past, but somehow in the current state, we forget that he's still active, that he still wants us to have everything he wants us to have. He gives good gifts. I'm not, listen, I'm not telling you everything's going to be perfect. I'm not telling you God wants you to be rich and happy and healthy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God wants you to have everything he wants you to have. He's going to give you everything he intends to give you, good gifts and all that kind of stuff. He's, going, he's not going to make you necessarily a millionaire, and you need to be content with that. Maybe he does. That's awesome, and I hope you remember me when you win the lotto. But the truth is, is that we need to be content with where God has us. Paul is a perfect example of that. Earlier in that letter, it's not on the screen, but I was just kind of thinking about this this morning. Earlier in the letter, what he's going to say is, have this mind among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, this whole chapter or this whole letter really might be summed up in like joy in all things, understanding that we are pursuing a life of Christ, a mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ ultimately was, he comes from heaven to earth, right? To show the way. Anyway, church kids remember that song? Okay. I had to say it because it was just there. Um, He comes from heaven to earth. He comes down, and and we have no idea what it means for him to leave heaven, the, the ultimate perfection, ultimate righteousness, ultimate holiness to come and dwell with us and not even to have like a lifestyle where he's living in a mansion or anything that he truly did deserve, but he took this mind of humility, this mind of Christ, to walk this life out so that we could know him, so that we could have his righteousness and all of that. And that is the mind of Christ. So when Paul's in prison, what can Paul say? Guys, it's good. In fact, I think he might actually say, listen, I got this guy that I need to share the gospel with, and he actually chains himself to me every day, so I get to share the gospel with him. When the rest of us would be like, it is hot and sweaty, there's rats, there's all this kind of stuff, you know, whatever his complaint could be, you're not going to see that in his letters. You're going to see him sharing with other people how he has the opportunity to kind of flip the script on it. He's going to say this, Philippians 2, um, Verses uh, 17 and 18, he's going to say, Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. In other words, like, I may lose everything, but I can be glad in it, right? Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. So what is it? What is it about our lives that we complain about? What is it um, that we need to flip the script on the, on the perspective um, I, I read some, some um, research that's been done by a guy, a guy named Travis Bradbury. He wrote the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0. I'll put a quote up here for you if you can read it with me. The tricky thing about your brain is that once a negative mood takes over, you lose sight of what's good in your life. 
this is going to start to feel really real for you guys in just a second. And suddenly you hate your job, you're frustrated with your family and friends, you're dissatisfied with your accomplishments, and your optimism about the future goes out the window. Deep down, you know that things aren't as bad as they seem, but your brain just won't hear it. It's interesting, in the rest of the book, he starts to, do, he starts to quote research on how we found that when we complain, we actually predispose ourselves to more negativity. We start to think there's, there's stuff in the brain that we've learned recently in the last few decades that what we're doing is, is with any habit, we are actually carving pathways in our brain where these synapses are firing off and stuff like that, and we are rewiring ourselves. We are predisposing ourselves. This happens with addictions. This happens with our complaints, with our desire to lie to get out of trouble. Whatever it is that we are tempted to do, what we're finding out about the brain is that when we do it and we're like, you know what, never again. I'm, I'm not going to lie again. I'm not going to steal again. I'm not going to cheat again. I'm not going to... We are actually training ourselves, and you know this because your sin patterns are Patterns for a reason. Um, there's no, it's not just a decision in your mind to say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. You're actually predisposing yourself to make that decision again and again and again in the future. And negativity and complaining is one of those things. We start to look at our life as nothing's going right for me. God must have forgotten about me. God, I can't hear you. You're silent and all that kind of stuff. And you're actually training yourself to think that those things are true in the future. Your brain is literally wired in such a way that when you pour the trash in, the trash is going to consistently cycle all the way through your brain. It's actually dangerous for you to create habits where you're thinking negative things. So, so, so all the, I know this sounds like happy, healthy, wealthy, you know, all this kind of stuff, but the truth is that the way God created you is, is in such a way that it's dangerous for us to just let ourselves sit in it. And I want to tell you, first and foremost, I tend to want to just sit in it sometimes. Sometimes I want a pity party. Sometimes I just want to, you know what, I just need a minute to be upset about where I am in life. Sometimes I need a minute to be like, to pout, you know. Sometimes what we do is we, we complain silently, and so we, we kind of are just complaining to ourselves. And so, like I know, um, I remember in my house growing up that when things weren't good, um, and I grew up in kind of a passive-aggressive Family, sorry, mom, if you're listening uh, to this podcast, uh, but there would be ways in which it's interesting. Um, you know, in my family, everything was kind of quiet and everything was passive aggressive. Got married to a, 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 a woman whose family was not at all passive aggressive and everything's just kind of out there and it really stresses this passive aggressive guy out because I'm like, everyone's fighting and I don't, I think the world is breaking down. And so I was like, they're just saying what we were all thinking and kind of waiting for that to volcano. But in my house, the complaining would turn to silence and just silent, passive-aggressive anger. And you knew someone was angry in the house when they were doing the dishes. And they were just kind of slamming the pots and pans around, just like, I want you to know, like, how angry I am. And there's different versions of complaining, right? There's different versions of how that all plays out. But when we give ourselves over to that, we're choosing not to have the joy overflow in our hearts that God wants to give us. Salvation is about so much more than just heaven, when we die. Salvation is so much more about having that joy overflow in our hearts when we just don't feel like it. And that may be the hardest thing in the world to say because honestly, I know that I fall victim to that too. I fall victim because sometimes I'm just like, you know what? It's not okay. It's not right. And I don't feel like being happy. And I start to put myself in chains because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, God, I, you must have forgotten me. You must have 
Yeah, like all this stuff that's going wrong in my life. You just don't, you know, you think you have it worse than everyone around you because the truth is that you're looking at social media and everyone looks happy and healthy, but the truth is their life doesn't look any better than yours. It's just what they post is happy, pretty. They took 200 selfies, they picked one, and, you know, you get to see everyone else's highlight reel when you're in your life complaining about all this ugly stuff and you start to have this narrative go through your mind that I am like forgotten, I, my life is not worth much, that nothing is going right and, and I deserve to be upset about it. And what Paul is showing us today is that we ought to be able to choose joy, over, let it overflow in our hearts and let it start to actually change our attitudes. Our attitudes are so moldable, but we have to choose those things. It's just like a wet, it's just like a marriage. You wake up every day, you know, the, the research would show that all the couples that are dating when they're teenagers, you are literally like guided by your hormones and, and that nothing can be done that's wrong. And I just want to tell you young couples, like there's going to be a day where you just don't feel like loving your spouse. There's going to be a day that you don't feel like, like being nice and all that kind of stuff. It's a choice to be joyful sometimes. It's a choice to be loving. It's a choice to be generous. It's a choice to be, um, to be joyful in your faith. Um, as, I, as I read through, through more, um, I, <clears throat> I heard this quote, because the truth is that sometimes you need to change your circumstances. Sometimes maybe if you're complaining, some of you would say, suck it up, buttercup. And some of you would say, like, well, maybe you should change what you're complaining about. Maybe, maybe you should change your, your job. Maybe you should change your, you know, I'm not saying if you don't like your marriage, maybe you should change. That's not what I'm saying, okay? There's some things that you shouldn't change, a guy that would not honor God. Um, but I heard Pastor Craig Groeschel say it this way. If you can change your circumstances, do something about it. If you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective, change your perspective. When we change our perspective, remember that our life is not about us, but about God and everything that he wants for us, his will. When we really remember that this world is really, at the end of the day, not about our wants or our, our likes or dislikes, our preferences. My preference may be to eat steak every night, and maybe that's not the way God wants me to live this life. And, and, and honestly, that's just a preference issue. Maybe my preference is to drive a nice car or to have everything the way I want it, my bank account to always be full. And the truth is, it's not that God wants that or doesn't want it. What he wants is for us to mirror him and reflect his image and give him glory with everything. And so when we complain, we are not doing that we are choosing to kind of hope for our own glory or want to reflect our own self on ourselves to get better for ourselves. When we really truly think about the stuff that God wants, how He has rescued us, how He has loved us, how He has sacrificed for us, all these different things, then we ought to start having a mind change. I'm gonna tell you, I may not be in the best place in my life, I may not be perfectly content with everything. But when I think about everything that God has done for me, all the ways he hasn't left me, all the ways he has never forsaken me, all the promises that I can claim over my life, all of a sudden, all my complaints start to go away. And so I want to challenge you with this one big thing today, is I want you to, like Paul said, have the mind of Christ. And I think some of you may actually need to physically and intentionally replace your words of complaints with words of joy and gratitude. And I want you to catch yourself, right? I want you to actually monitor and audit your own words. This week is going to be awful for you because it's going to come up and you're going to be like, crap. You know, like I, I, I realize that deep down inside of my heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
we're going to start to see that, oh my goodness, like so much of my life is about me, right? I am all about some me and having whatever I want. And the truth is that we need to be reflecting the image of God. And the image of God, the mind of Christ, is true humility and true submission to his glory and his plan. Wherever you are right now, I know that that's tough. I know that sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes it seems like these complaining words or these lying, sometimes it seems like they're, you know, we, we think there's big sins like, you know, like we would say, well, I would never rob a bank. I would never kill someone. You know, you think about that. And then somehow we, we do these little things that are just as ugly in the sight of the Lord. When we tell lies, when we complain, we're going to talk about criticism next week. That's going to be tough. So come back for sure. It's going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> but um, when we do these little things, we think that they're not a big deal because we're not robbing a bank. But the truth is what we're doing is we're settling into our minds that we are on our throne, that we are on the throne of our life, that I get to control. So when things aren't perfect, you know what? At the end of the day, I want what I want. And so until I get that, I'm just going to have an attitude about I want what I want. And I want us as a church, us as believers, us as just people to actually remember that that God has given us so much. The fact that he has shed his blood. His, God sent his son to live this perfect life, to, to, have, to be the perfect sacrifice so that we could be rescued. Just like the Israelites were rescued out of slavery, much more we were rescued out of our sin. And, and there is no one on this planet that could pay a price. There's nothing that you could give in, in exchange for God's righteousness. But God sent his son as the perfect gift, the perfect sacrifice to be that sacrifice for us so that he would give us his his righteousness. There's this great exchange that happens that when we surrender to Jesus, that he takes our sin. He took our sin with him on the cross and he was buried with it. And when he rose again, he left it in the grave, defeating sin and death. And so I want to tell you, when we complain, what we're saying is that all of that is like, big deal, Jesus. I'm sitting in traffic on 270 and I've got a problem with it. Let's put things in perspective. I, big deal, Jesus. You sacrificed yourself on the cross, but I'm not where I want to be. And Jesus would say, I went through all kinds of that. Paul would say the same thing. All the, right, all the apostles, right? All the, all the disciples that Jesus discipled that sent out as apostles, all but one died a martyr's death. And that's only because the one that survived, survived the martyr's death. He actually didn't die when they put him in a vat of boiling oil. And when we complain about like this, like, you know what? The air conditioning is just not, I'm just, like, and that's me, right? Or when the bank account's not full or when I don't get what I want, what we're saying is that somehow that is more important than the, Je- the sacrifice that Jesus gave. And I want us all just to remember that sacrifice that he gave for us. Would you bow your heads for just a moment as we close? If, you have, um, if, you're, if you're in here and you've never had a moment where you've surrendered uh, to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, given your life to him, surrendered everything to him. I, I just want to challenge you to do that today. Um, he, he gave everything for us. When we go through life on our own, I can't imagine, like, of course we would complain because we've got no hope. But with Jesus, we have all the hope in the world because he has paid for us our salvation. He has given to us an, a, a hope of salvation, of life with him, a life of fulfillment. 
John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's come to give us life and life more abundantly. And so if you've never had a moment in your life where you surrendered to Jesus and given yourself over to him and asked for salvation, I would challenge you to do that. I'm not going to ask you to do anything big and bold right now. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and proclaim anything, but I would love to talk to you after if that's you. I'm going to be kind of camped out up here after service, and I would love to talk to you. Uh, for the rest of us that, that just probably need to remember how much God has given us and probably need to remember that we are complaining after God has given so much to us, I would challenge you to audit your words. I would challenge you to replace those words of complaints and, uh, and, and not just the words, but change your heart. Ask God to change your heart. Ask God to move in you and give you words of gratitude to speak over your life. Don't rewire yourself. Don't predispose yourself for more negativity and complaining. Give it to God. That's what he wants anyway. Just, just have that moment where you just get on your knees and you say, God, I, I just need to ask forgiveness. Whatever it is, just the complaining has got to stop because we are, are of the utmost the most loved. We've given so we've been given so much grace and love. We have to be people who live that out. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for today. Lord, we do want to replace our words of complaints, our lies, the ways we're tempted to stretch the truth, the ways we're tempted to to tell half truths, the ways we're tempted to to think that we ha- we are the we have it the worst and that we, we don't have it all that good, we want to ask you to help to change our hearts, help to mold our hearts, give us words of gratitude today, but also remind us how good we have it, just in a very practical sense. It's in your name I pray. Amen.